Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host, Hilary Milnes, and on today's episode, Roman Leo, the COO of Adormi, discusses the complexity of the lingerie industry, how Adormi drives customer loyalty through transparency, and the Darwinian way the brand determines a product's success. Hope you enjoy it. Roman Leo. Hi. Hi. How are you? Very good. And you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. So as Adormi's COO, I'm assuming you overlook everything that has to do with the with the business model that, that underpins Adormi. Can you describe exactly how that model works and you know the, the ways of dif- distribution that have uh, evolved since the company launched? Sounds very good. Adormi is a lingerie brand that was uh, launched online primarily. So we started to be an e-commerce, traditional e-commerce company. And as we grow, we're expanding towards the offline world, which is a traditional brick and mortar retail. So mm-hmm. today, most of our sales are online still, but we have a small but growing share of uh, retail uh, that is expanding. Mm-hmm. And when when you say, you know, it's an online company, there is an element of, of like a membership. Can you can you go into that a little bit uh, and, and how Adormi saw a way in with a with a very specific customer by a membership? Obviously, it's a type of product that people have to buy semi-regularly. Uh, how did that type of, um, you know, way of selling to people come come about and, and grow since it launched? Sounds very good. Um, yes. Um, so Adormi offers different ways to shop. Uh, we have the traditional, what we call pay-as-you-go, which is one-off purchase. Mm-hmm. And we have a membership. So we started with a VIP membership. And over time, we have added another type of membership that we call the elite membership mm-hmm. uh, that I can describe. So, uh, so historically, when we launched a company, it was pay-as-you-go and VIP membership. So this membership is extremely flexible in the sense that we, in a sense, we try to better understand who are our customers and what are their needs. Mm-hmm. And we do that through like a traditional uh, questionnaire about what, what is your favorite color, uh, what type of lingerie you purchase. And on top of that, we also gather some information about what they have uh, uh, liked in the past, didn't like. So we get more and more information about the customer. And with all those information, we actually gather some data mm-hmm. because we are a tech company. And those data help us to uh, to propose and to purchase and design better products for those customers. So it's a win-win in the sense that uh, at core, the customer of the membership trade off information about their preference, which we translate into some data. And with this, it allows us to propose them better product for a better price than the traditional uh, retailer. Mm-hmm. So at Adormi, our head of design is the former head of design of Vitor Secret. And we have a team of uh, uh, extremely uh, talented designers, all based in New York. So I really think we're world class in terms of design. Um, and our manufacturers uh, are all over the place, but are the same as a traditional competitor without saying any name. But with the same design or even better design because it, 
it's catering to the specific needs of customer. And the same manufacturer, we managed to offer to our, to our customer, to our, to our VIP member, uh, a product for half the price. So that's really the, the revolutions where you can translate uh, information about the customer into awesome value propositions. That's, that's at its end the, the purpose of the, of the VIP membership that was at the, at the core of Adormi when we launched. Right. So it sounds like kind of the perfect, the perfect blend of, of elements for a modern retailer because you mentioned, you know, you, you said we're a tech company. We're, do you consider uh, Adormi to be a tech first company or how do you sort of balance the line between fashion, apparel and, and tech and, and make sure that they're all working together? It's uh, it's an excellent question and it's not easy to, to answer. How would you define your podcast, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think that Adormi is really the the marriage of fashion and technology. So mm-hmm. we always had this kind of cultural um, battle within the company. Are we more a fashion company or are we more a tech company? I and like two sides on each, you know. Well, it's out. not. In fact, it's a bit. It's not binary. It's it's more blurry. So we have. We have half of our uh, staff that uh, is working in tech, so it's a pretty high, maybe more 40% of our, of our staff that is working in tech, which is a very high share compared to the traditional fashion brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also have 25% of our staff that is working in the design uh, procurement world, so more product related. So it's kind of equals almost. And, and, and I think that it's not two sides that don't really talk to each other. In fact, both nourish each other. So uh, when we internally we have to design uh, a specific tools to support uh, uh, the tech, the, to support the creation team to design better product. And everything was uh, a collaboration between uh, a sub team of tech of 10 people that sit in the room for uh, with their design team for the equivalent of three months, but it was spread over time, don't worry, mm-hmm. uh, where to design what is a perfect tool uh, to do your product lifecycle management. And, and, and I take this as an example because many companies try to have a PLM and they have big programs that are extremely heavy and at the end you have a software that nobody really likes because it's not designed for them. And, and, and it's a challenge in the industry, in particular in the lingerie industry because our products are much more complex than the traditional uh, dress and so on. So, in fact, you don't really have a good PLM for, for lingerie. Mm-hmm. In our case, we started from scratch. And because we have such a heavy uh, tech firepower, we say, what is the perfect product that you would dream of the question team? And they work together. And now we have an amazing tool that uh, some of our competitors wanted to purchase. We will not purchase them, mm-hmm. on, on disclaimer. <laughs> no open uh, will not will not sell it, <laughs> but it, it really helped us to be better and more efficient and so on. So uh, we launched the equivalent of one product per day. Mm. Uh, so that's more, more than one product per day. It's like 50 per month, which is a really product powerhouse uh, that is insane in the industry. I mean, we launch more products than Victoria's Secret. Like launch as in goes live on the site exactly. multiple times a day. Exactly. So that means every month we launch 50 new products. So we have had many products, maybe too many, I don't know, nobody really knows, we don't know. <laughs> we are wondering, but we really launch a lot of products. And we do that with a team that is uh, extremely talented, but is not that large compared to, let's say, Victoria's Secret or compared to the other brand. Mm-hmm. How we do that, not by putting them in a room and having them work very fast. 
Uh, it's just because we feed them continuously, we give them the best so they can be extremely efficient in their work. And uh, and that's that's really a win-win uh, in terms of people because it's interesting because when you are a designer, you want to design a lot of product, you want to get some feedback on your on your product you want to be proud to know that this specific print that you have been working on for for a year for a year uh, that you give a name uh, that this was like i'm joyful in the forest that's the name of the print and that's the end it resonates a lot uh, with the customer and we have the tool so they know it resonates well the, with the customers they got a lot of reviews this is the sales this is a, the sales by type of customer type and that's very exciting from a designer point of view. Mm-hmm. And this, you can do that because you are uh, uh, a successful marriage between uh, uh, a father that is tech and a mother that is fashion. Right. That's that adore me. Yeah. So, so they're working. They're working together. Uh, and you know, as much as the the goals can match up, they do. What happens when a product product uh, doesn't resonate as as you might have thought uh, do you have a an equally efficient um, and, and fast system in place to make sure that you're you know figuring figuring that out as you're getting that feedback in real time we do um, it's a pretty Darwinian system I must say mm-hmm. when you launch 50 products per month the reality you have 10 that become superstar uh, 20 that are extremely successful and you might have 10 that doesn't work mm-hmm. So those one, I would say like in a traditional fashion retail world, they, they, they kind of disappear. So they might be marked down over time. Uh, or what you sure, we never replenish them. So they, they slowly disappear from, from the system. Mm-hmm. Sad for them, I bet. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a surprise. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a natural failing. selection process. So it's, a, it's a bit Darwinian, but yeah. that's, how, that's how you... You get better and better. Mm-hmm. What is happening now? We 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 see. Um, you seem sad, so don't worry. <laughs> I mean, some of them it's a bit down, but some of them actually have a life, but a more on a niche type of market. So uh-huh. you have some products that, if you just look at them from their sales perspective, they are not that successful. But the customer feedback we got around those products is extremely positive. So you. You, you keep them and it's like they cater to a more specific need type of niche. So it's not, it's never like black or white. You just don't say, oh, it doesn't sell. I don't want it anymore. You, you look at different things. It can, you, you can look at the sell, but you look at the, you look at the reviews, uh, both quantitative, like your little score, but also qualitative, what customers say. And you can also uh, adapt it a little bit. So you have like some products that we say, oh, we need to improve a little bit the fitting because on my, if you look at the size uh, 40C, it's like not perfect. So we review and we work on the fit. And and, uh, and you also have a lot of, uh, you have more positive stories and kind of product negative story because what is happening when a product works very well, and, uh, we develop like uh, the same product in different colors. So we mm-hmm. call that uh, product sister mm-hmm. and you have a whole sisterhood. So, I mean, when you go on our website and you see some products that have four, five, six, seven, up to 10 color sister, you can be happy for the sisterhood. Right, yeah, so it, it makes sense because you can't really have, as much as, as data can improve uh, a production process, a design process, and really tailor fit it to a certain customer, 
like if you let that kind of just go and, and run on its own, it's it's going to kind of end up with a, a pretty blab assortment. Like algorithms were not made for exactly. to understand fashion uh, in, in the way that we we understand it. And so do you think that, you know, taking this model, can it could it work for, you know, outside like like other categories or, or fashion overall? Like how, how did you guys make it work for the lingerie category specifically, knowing that, you know, the algorithm understands the the products to a certain extent? Like when you look at, when you think about that and, and how it could relate to all e-commerce, do you see that a, a future happening there or, or what, you know, what's going to be the future of this very data-driven fashion model? So your question is complex and there is no... There is different way to answer to it. So the first part is lingerie, a specific industry for which this model mm -hmm. is more um, relevant. I do think so, and for 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 a reason that will surprise you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I think lingerie is an extremely complex industry mm -hmm. compared to the other in the fashion world. Why? It's complex to make a bra. In a bra, you typically have 50 to 60 components. Uh, and to give you an order of magnitude, um, in a pair of jeans, you got six. And in an iPhone, you get 100. So from a component perspective, a bra is closer from the iPhone than from a, from a pair of jeans. The implication is like when we deal with manufacturers, you don't deal with one manufacturer that do everything. No, it's, it will be too easy. Mm -hmm. You deal with one manufacturer and you deal with a, like a raw material supplier, either directly, either indirectly through your, uh, to your manufacturer. And those are extremely specialized type of work because you have some uh, raw material suppliers that are specialized in little trim. Mm -hmm. and, and you need to have 60 components or 60 components translate into 20 to 30 companies that will contribute uh, to, to, to the product at the end. And because they are specialized, because they are, it's relatively small, they, it's not something that is too easy to, uh, to have economy of scale or things like that. So it translates into extremely uh, complex process and it translates into long lead time. So where it's interesting, so it's a, from a pure industry perspective, it's a bad industry. Mm. Um, where it's interesting in our case is like uh, our approach allows us to uh, to gain a bit of insight a bit early on and that translates into real customer gain. And that's why we, I think the lingerie is very complex and that's where in this complex world our model is, is successful. So now your question, can it translate well to a different uh, fashion world, mm -hmm. I think it depends. And I'm not an expert uh, of that many fashion industries, so I, I want, to, um, I want to, to take a bit of a disclaimer mm -hmm. uh, about these things. Um, I think if we had started to sell dresses from scratch with our model, I'm not that sure it would have been that distinctive because um, there is a different way to do dresses for which the, the magic of uh, of a designer can really translate into something awesome that you cannot really replicate with tech uh, data um, approach mm -hmm. that easily. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and and to start with, to get the impulsion, to get the traction that we have, I think it will be difficult. 
uh, now that we have developed this engine and that we, we have this learning curve that took us six years to build. I mean, it's, it's extremely hard to, to compute data, having fashion, meeting tech, and it's like, it sounds easily, it sounds easy today when I say that, but in fact, every day it's a fight, and I think everybody company is struggling, and that's why when you, you speak to many uh, executives of companies, they say everybody talk about data power, but nobody knows how to do it. So mm -hmm. it's very hard, and it took us six years, and we are still at the beginning uh, of the journey. So <laughs> that said, we, in six years, we have learned a, a few things along the way that could potentially translate in other industry um, from a pure tech data perspective. But there are also other elements of, and that's the magic of fashion, where I'm not sure we have today the, the magic that will allow us to be distinctive. And, and I think that's one of the implicit promise to the Adormi customer is like, can we can we really bring something different to this market? Uh, really, like, are we faithful to our promise? And I think if we are not, I'm not sure we'll be confident to go that quickly in this industry. So, mm -hmm. uh, if you take some extremely um, technical uh, type of clothes mm -hmm. to do sports, um, I think at Dormi we can be relevant to make awesome sports bra. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure we'll be that good to develop extremely technical uh, clothes to run a marathon. Mm -hmm. I think Nike, they, are, they will have an edge for a long time yeah. that we will not have. So I think that you need to, to put things in perspective. What we have developed is extremely relevant for the launch industry. Potentially, it can translate into other industry, but you also need to take into account there are other variables that uh, for now we don't master and we will only do that when we really think we can bring something to the market. Mm -hmm. And but to your point, uh, there was a time in the lingerie market where people might have looked at Victoria's Secret and been like, oh, they have the edge. They know what they're doing, similar to how Nike owns, you know, a lot of the a lot of the sportswear market. How do you look at the opportunity that that basically, you know, the like Victoria's Secret has, has left? And, and why do you think a, a company like Adormi is resonating more with customers now than, than Victoria's Secret and more incumbent players are able to? I, you know, it seems like lingerie is, is just hyper competitive right now because there's like a gaping white space uh, as, you know, Victoria's Secret has a struggle to to maintain their, yeah. their positioning. I think first, uh, Victoria's Secret is an extremely sophisticated company. Mm -hmm. And even if today they struggle, they are still part of the most iconic brand in the world and they really have brought things in the market that were extremely smart and good and they were very, they had a hedge on many dimensions mm -hmm. for a very long time uh, and they still have an edge on many dimensions. Um, Is there a but? Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> yeah. So, w there are two things where I do believe they had weakness and that we believed in when we, we launched the company uh, five years ago. Mm -hmm. Number one is um, their cost and their approach to the bra was a bit traditional. It was extremely efficient, so they have a good lead time, they have good cost. I mean, they, they have staff that is in the traditional world of, uh, of operation are very valuable. So you, you talk to 
you talk in the industry about lead time and uh, cost, people are very excited by that. Mm-hmm. Or what they, we thought there was an opportunity is like, are we sure this is really the thing that is that relevant in the future? Can we try to do things in a different way by first having this promise with customer where we exchange some information on data about yourself to have better products and to also purchase our product in a smarter way so there is less waste. There is no waste at Adami. We have never get rid of any products. Mm. So, And this is, is great, of course, for the environment, but it's also good, great for the customer because you don't have this hidden cost that you have to get rid of 20%. There's a little dirty secret of mm-hmm. in the industry. At Adami, the, the, the dirty secret is 0%. It's not 20%. So it's better for the customer ultimately, but you don't see it when you pay it, but it's there. So... We thought that by doing things differently and not focusing on the cost of the product or on the lead time, but just being smarter, anticipating, we could be distinctive in terms of value proposition we, we provide to the customer. And the second thing for which Victoria's Secret was extremely powerful for a long time uh, was their brand. And when we arrived to the market, we had the belief that their approach um, to, to, to the brand, to, to women, was off and, and and why exactly because there was something in the air that we could feel where it was not uh, it was not appropriate and that was mm-hmm. five years ago mm-hmm. uh, there was not the me too it was not the me too it was five years ago it was just like are we really sure that today a woman wants to buy lingerie and look at a model who is like a, a beautiful uh, Russian teenager mm. And for us, it was a bit awkward because it's not the way uh, typically we we purchase lingerie in France. I'm, I'm from France, mm-hmm. as you can hear, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I'm from Paris, so the Parisian. You know, it was not the Parisian type of things. Maybe I was biased with that. And on top of that, we got a got a lot of feedback of of, of, of women that say, "Yeah, well, that's the only place. It's uh, it's Victoria. I buy my lingerie there when I was young. I purchased my lingerie there, but you know." I, feel it and say yeah you, you don't feel it that's true mm-hmm. but there was some something is yeah and we say okay we, we really think we we can talk to to woman with a different message that the that Victoria's Secret uh, Russian teenager and, and that's how I think that uh, the paradox is uh, Victoria's Secret has been extremely strong on many dimensions but two of their uh, strengths became a little bit weakness over time and mm-hmm. five years ago I remember we had an interview with journalists and we arrive and we say okay where's the startup we'll we'll, we'll beat Victoria's Secret it's ridiculous uh, it's David against Goliath and we will slay them what they do are wrong and 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 in retrospect it was pretty ballsy uh, <laughs> uh, it was a bit insane it was a little bit but it was the story of David, David against Goliath but I think we were right and this is what has been happening now right So, yeah. so a, a big part of it is that you know for so long there was one category dominator, and mm-hmm. with one specific brand messaging. To your point, with one you know very defined aesthetic that that everyone knew and just kind of lived with. And now it it kind of the, you know the door has been been blown right open. How do you consider how Adormi positions itself? Like, who do you want to be when, when people are considering? where you know where they're going to buy from because you have other players you have third love you have lively um 
that you know, and everyone's trying to figure out like, okay, where who is the who's the woman I'm I'm trying to appeal to? So do you see like the the market grab is is a little bit more defined than you know one one winner takes all, and and how do you see Adormi's voice and brand uh, playing into that competitive field? Another complex and smart question. Thank you. <laughs> um, indeed, the landscape is changing. Um, is changing, uh, pushed by many forces, the Me Too era, uh, some extremely interesting brands that are that have been launched or are currently launched. Uh, the fact that you have the dominant player that is falling, so I think it's like a extremely interesting field. Um, I think uh, uh, the other brands that have been launched are always are very interesting and they bring some things to the market like like Adormi. So there are obviously some points of uh, that are common between all those different brands um, which are about uh, what I will call femme empowerment, mm-hmm. female empowerment. Mm. Um, clearly that we are all a little bit in the same pack that it's not anymore Victoria's Secret uh, it's empowerment, and I think that we have co- common message around this. Uh, and I'm glad to see that uh, this message uh, is pushed more and more. Uh, first, because a posteriori it shows that we were right, uh, and also because I think it's 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 pushing towards this thing and it's becoming the new norm, and it's a very interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not specific to the lingerie industry, the empowerment things. Even Nike is advertising on that. It's it's kind of touch every brand. I think in the lingerie, it's it's more important because it really shifted the paradigm much more. Mm-hmm. Why? Because in the lingerie, at the end of the day, is uh, is about the relationship to your body. It's more intimate. It's about your confidence. So it's, I will say, empowerment is important everywhere, but. It's more relevant for the laundry industry than to the tennis clothes industry, um, clearly. Mm-hmm. So that's the common part of femme empowerment. Then you will ask this question, so I already answer. <laughs> what what makes us different and why we believe that Army um, uh, brings something different to, to the market? Um, I think that you. All the brands are very interesting, and I want to say one is better than the other one. Of course, Adam is better, but it's <laughs> it's kind of a different message. Yeah, I think that you had three type of uh, sub message of empowerment that are appearing on the market. You have the pack of um, lingerie should exist for all women, no matter. Uh, the, the, no matter the, the shape of their body, no matter their, their color, and you'll have you'll have Irie, you'll have third love. So that's um, lingerie should exist for all women, mm-hmm. every woman. Mm-hmm. Um, there is another uh, pack which is around the message of the woman emancipations. So um, like lonely, like negative. Mm-hmm. That's the name of a brand, negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's it's pushing the emancipation, it's pushing the emancipation message um, uh, further, and it's, it's it's very interesting. You have other brands that have a bit of um, they take a different approach, which is what I will call 
let's reverse the patriarchy. So it's like Fenty. So the difference between lonely and Fenty, lonely, bah, the name is lonely, it's interesting. So it's about women that push herself uh, almost alone. It's not, again, the, the figure of a male, it's just we push. Reverse patriarchy is a bit different because it's, I'm always, we, we can be as strong as the men, but it's, it's a relationship with the men that define a little bit the brand. Um, so that's the three, three pack. Um, and, and I think at Dormi, where, where we're a bit different, we, we are more the brands that um, help um, women to embrace life. Mm. So what do I mean with this? We believe that uh, women change along their lives, like individuals. And with this, their relationship with lingerie will evolve and they might have different needs uh, over time. So, um, I, um, me personally, I arrived in New York a few years ago. I was single and I had a different life that now that I'm a happy father. Mm -hmm. uh, so and life has changed and um, it doesn't translate directly into my own uh, underwear. But for women, it can, it can more. So that's, and with those changes in life comes a new type of lingerie. So that's, that's, that's the thing. We, we don't try to, to push um, what I will call a static view of mm -hmm. representation of, of women. So it's not, you are this woman, thank you very much, you are label, and forever you'll be this type of woman. It's like, it goes with life. And we want to have a, our message is like, uh, every day you can have a happy life, no matter your, your life stage. And uh, we believe what, what is constant is optimism, joyful and uh, that's that's constant but the type of product you will purchase the will change over time and we don't take really a position for that just like we know you have different uh, uh, needs over time uh, we there's a quote that i like from uh, simone de beauvoir which is on ne n'est pas femme on le devient which in english is one is not born but rather become a woman and Every day, you uh, you are doing something that make you uh, a different woman, like little improvement uh, every day, and you become a dif different woman. And we want to, to be there to to go beyond the static view and more uh, embrace life every day. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why for us, um, it translates in every um, part of Adormi. So it translates in terms of product. Why do we have so many products? Isn't it insane? But if you want to, to speak to every woman across their different uh, life stage, you're already laid by five products. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to have a lot of products to mm -hmm. gather things. So that's about the product. In terms of messaging, in terms of, uh, of uh, picture, we have different women in our advertising. They have different... Uh, Uh, they have different shapes, they have different smiles, they have different cloth. Some of them are, uh, are, um, are happy, some of them are a bit more uh, uh, facing a different um, situation in their lives that is more challenging. And it's fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think it really translates very well in Adormi. We, this year, there was a, a, a model of Adormi that posted a picture on Instagram with an extremely... Uh, strong message 
and she wrote it. We didn't ask her to do it. She wrote it, which was about her personal life, and she was facing a difficulty. And it, it ended up with a message that was positive. I don't know exactly the word, but um, it was, uh, today's tough, I lost this, I have lost this, but you know what? I'll survive, I'm strong, and that's life. I mean, it was better said, but it was extremely powerful. We just share our post to the Adormi Instagram account, mm -hmm. and this was by far the most liked post uh, we ever had. And I think it's, it's, it says something. It's not about saying everything. I mean, we are optimistic, we are joyful, mm -hmm. but sometimes life is not that happy, and it's fine too. We don't want to tell you, you have to be happy, you have to do that. It's like, um, it's more, who are you? Mm -hmm. Who is me, Adormi? Who is me? Who are you? Where do you stand in your life? And uh, we don't want to tell you what to do. We don't want to force you to be a certain person that maybe at this specific moment you are, you want to be. It's just to say you have a companion in life and this is, a, this is the Adormi uh, that we like and the Adormi that uh, we will continue to push forward. Mm -hmm. It's about bringing realness back into the into the lingerie yeah. industry for for customers and you know the brands that they're seeing. And so just to wrap up, we're almost out of time, but how, what else, you know, drives customer loyalty for lingerie companies today? And loyalty is obviously built in with the with the membership model. What do you think keeps customers coming back? Um, I think you have um, you have to be genuine, and um, and I think Adormi, because we're a startup, we're still a startup. We don't do everything perfect. Um, but we have always been extremely honest and transparent with the customer. And, and I think people do recognize that. So two years ago, for instance, during uh, Valentine's Day, we got a peak of sales. And it was insane. It was great. Everybody was excited. Mm -hmm. um, but in fact, we couldn't deliver all the product on time to the customer because the warehouse was a bottleneck and couldn't ship the product. So it, it's a problem on many dimensions. It's a problem because it's not good. It's not cool for the customer to trust you, especially during the V-Day because it's the moment where people actually want to have a, uh, to change lingerie. So let's say a new embrace life uh, type of moment. Right. Um, it's not cool because you have a lot of pressure. It's not cool because people are asking you on the social media. So it's a, it's a tough things and. On those moments, we have always been extremely transparent. So we send email to customer, hey, uh, sorry, uh, we screwed up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you will not receive your order on time. And uh, two options now, you wait. Should be one week or two weeks, we don't know exactly. But you will receive it. And uh, that's it. And here's a, whatever, a discount for the next time, we're sorry. Or you can cancel your order and you will be refunded, no question asked. And when you do that to the customer, when you think about it, not many brands do that. They will just come with any type of excuse. It's mm -hmm. not our fault. Mm -hmm. It's USPS. It's the warehouse. Which is true. It was not our fault. But so sorry again. It was not our fault. I said it. But we still screwed up. And we are not faithful to our promise. But when you give the choice to the customer, say, so okay, here's your money. Because it's what typically what people ask and what brands don't do. But people are... Recognize, uh, recognize this, mm -hmm. and and I think it's this kind of implicit. Um, it's not deal. It's like uh, this kind of moment of truth. 
that people recognize on the long term. I think for this, we are genuine. So mm -hmm. as we grow, we try to, of course, improve our, at every level. And we we've built a, an amazing warehouse now, uh, just uh, in the suburb of New York. And we, I would love to invite every customer to go because <laughs> it can be proud. And it's really about what we do there is, is really female empowerment every day because we have 80% of our, of our uh, uh, workforce there that is woman and we have amazing story. So we have improved a lot, but I also know that, well, screwed up again in the future, I don't know on what, and I hope it will not be too bad and we'll do our best, but it's, it's part of life. And uh, I think customers accept that. And right. I think this is part of being genuine. Right. And so it's that, that, that human element back into the the brand that the customer sees as well as the you know how how you treat them um great well, this is really interesting thank you so much roman thank you very much we hope you enjoyed the episode a special thanks to gianna capadona the producer of this podcast as a thank you for listening we're passing along a limited time introductory offer on a three-month subscription to glossy plus glossy plus members access unlimited stories exclusive research and more join today for just 49 dollars. that's 80 dollars off by entering the code intro at checkout at glossy.co slash subscribe and as always be sure to subscribe on itunes google play stitcher and anchor fm and leave us any feedback you have